welcome back to that first step podcast. I am so excited for you to hear today's guest. She is the incredibly talented and very successful Dr. Jennifer Owens. From being Google Dublin's first ever dentist to now being one of Ireland's top anti-aging and skincare specialists, Dr. Jennifer Owens has had an incredible journey and she shares all of her ups and downs, tips and tricks, and business ideas in today's episode. Guys, it's an incredible one. It's a lengthy one, but so jam-packed of knowledge and motivation for you to turn your passion into a profession and maybe get a skin boost in the meantime. So without further ado, let's get into the show. So Jen, we are recording. Thank you so much for coming on as a guest on that first step podcast. How are you today? I am great. Thanks, Jess. I've actually I've been listening to your podcast the last few weeks and I love it. It's ideal. I always listen to podcasts when I'm working out or walking or running or whatever. Um, and I love, well, I love the whole feminist thing. It has been females to date, which I, I really enjoy. Uh, but it, it's great to see people's stories and realize like mine maybe wasn't quite as convoluted as I, as I thought that everyone else was kind of in the same boat or something like that. Uh, so it's great. Well done. Thank you so much. And absolutely, I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, you think of all these successful people creating businesses and absolutely it's, it's tough to get to, but when they break it down, it shows that, you know, if you are passionate enough and you have enough energy to put towards it, you can make an incredible business for yourself. So true. Uh, so, so true. And I think a lot of people forget or just don't know about the start, like the 10 years before they had loads of followers on Instagram or, you know, they've a really successful business or whatever, whatever it is the person has got, they, you, you usually don't get to peek behind the curtain and kind of see how hard or how long it took them to get there. 100%. So I suppose let's start off with, with your story, Jen, because it is an amazing one. And I followed you on Instagram for quite some time. And it came well recommended from a very treasured friend of mine who also is so inspired by your journey. So if you wouldn't mind starting off by quickly introducing yourself, Jen, and the start of your journey, maybe, you know, what you wanted to be when you grew up and what you studied after school. Okay, well, I am, I'm a cosmetic dentist, aesthetic medicine practitioner, injector and trainer. I have a clinic in Dublin and Cork where I do a lot of cosmetic procedures, skincare. Uh, I treat kind of facial pain with some prescription injectables and things like that. I started, well, I suppose like way back at the very start, <laughs> I was a kid who loved make and do. I loved playing with my hands. My mum just said like every time it was like, what will we do? Make and do. I wanted to paint, make, whatever it was. And I think somewhere along the way, you know, you get to school and like art is great in primary school and then you get to secondary school. It all gets a bit more competitive. Academics was also a big thing in my house, like really big. I think when I was about eight, I was aware that if you did well in your leaving search, you would get choices in life. 
it was only a little bit later, I think, that I realized that's not what every eight-year-old <laughs> grows up with. Uh, so yeah, I think I got to secondary school, you know, I, like I, I found academics not, not too bad going. I was good at studying and just putting the head down or whatever. Uh, and I adored maths and physics and loads of those nerdy subjects. Uh, and you know, it kind of came to like, you know, choosing your subjects for leaving cert and everyone's so young when they're doing that. Uh, you know, art was something I loved, but it was like, oh, that's a really tough one to get an A1 in or whatever. Nah shove that to the side like you have to get good points or whatever I didn't even know what I wanted to do at that stage but it was like okay I had I had the idea that the more points you got the more you had a choice of what you wanted to do uh, and I I was quite an independent kid I always wanted to do everything myself and I think having a choice was like the biggest thing for me so it wasn't really until like that January when you're all filling out your CAO in school that I was like oh, like I do not know what I want to do. Um, you know, my, I come from a medical family, so I don't think I really explored business at all. Uh, I have an aunt who's a very good and successful businesswoman, but really like my mum's a nurse, my dad's a doctor. It was like, well, what clinical thing would you like to do? Um, I, do, I don't think I really looked at the others as like realistic options because I just didn't understand them. Um, so I looked at my dad who'd done years of training like years of 100 hour weeks one time he got so tired he went to bed without telling my mum because he was so tired he forgot he was married so I kind of thought hmm I don't know if I want medicine like I don't know if I want that I like I would like to go surfing and go traveling and do other things so I looked at dentistry because it was a five-year degree and you were finished at the end there was no um chartered accounting exams there was no postgraduate that you absolutely had to do you know you walked out the door with your degree and that was it you started working so that really appeals to me um that like okay you can do this and you're self-employed you're in charge of your life i didn't realize the whole ramifications of being self-employed at the time would highly recommend checking that part out before you sign up for a self-employed job <laughs> especially when the HSE go into, you know, well, the country goes into recession, the HSE stop hiring people. So you have to be self-employed. Um, but dentistry was a tough, it was a tough course. I, I found it quite tough. It's very intense. You know, you're learning to do things with your hands and then you're trying to do it on people. Uh, I was just scared a lot of the time. That I was going to muck something up but you know I got through it in the end anyway so came out of college when there was you know it was the height of the recession no jobs no jobs at all uh, and a lot of my class went and did postgraduate training in the UK I heard the words case presentation and I was like I'm out I'm out I did five years I did dissertations I did all of that no, I just want to work. I want to earn some money, be independent, have my own life. Um, loved big cities. And actually, when I was listening to your story on the first episode, I was like, oh my God, that is so funny. I was the absolute opposite. Uh, if someone had handed me New York, I would have died for it. Like it was my dream. Whereas I had picked a degree where you couldn't actually work in the US 
and because of your registration requirements it was a little bit funny in which countries you could work in you kind of didn't have as much freedom that way uh, so I ended up in New Zealand <laughs> working as a healthcare assistant while I tried to get a healthcare assistant and a makeup artist well, actually, sorry, before, before I left Ireland altogether, I was working in Lancome in Debenhams on the counter, getting dolled up every day, wearing high heels and lipstick and loving it because <laughs> I had trained with Makeup Forever in Dublin one summer. So I'd actually gotten a, like a qualification as a makeup artist and sort of knew what I was up to uh, and loved it. And I think my parents were like, all right, you know, that five year degree we put you through any chance you could go use that. <laughs> Because uh, really, there was, there was no jobs in Ireland. So off I went to New Zealand. Um, the registration requirements had changed there. So previously, you could, you could register straight away. You could start working. There was kind of this loophole that had closed. And I think I was potentially the first Irish person to figure that one out, which was great. Um, so I was there working as a healthcare assistant doing kind of night shifts in high-risk dementia units wiping people's bums showering them realizing you know the mouth is definitely not the worst part of the body totally could go back to being a dentist now <laughs> um having a brilliant time like living with some lads from cork you know out in the piss having great fun um kind of like my j1 because i didn't really get to do a j1 because we had shorter summers in dentistry uh, so, you know, I had a great time, but once again, my parents were like, uh, you know, the degree that you did, any chance you'd like to go use it before you lose all your skills. So I looked at Australia, because uh, Australia, you could get your registration kind of direct from Ireland. You didn't need to sit in exams. Uh, I knew a few people in Australia, you know, it was sunny as far as I knew, it, you know, it seemed like, seemed like a good move. So I set up a few interviews there, flew over, was kind of sleeping on people's couches, you know, had all, everything I owned on my back, about $200 in my account, um, lined up all these interviews and eventually actually ended up in the outback in Queensland in a town of 3,000 people called Chinchilla, which if you Google Chinchilla because you just got a job offer there, you will see photos of rats. There is some like rodent mice rat thing in South America called a chinchilla. So yeah, that was, that was my introduction to Australia. Uh, the reason I took the job there uh, was it was a fantastic practice. It was like five surgeries, TVs on the ceiling. We had our own lab out the back. I was doing digital scanning, milling my own crowns, designing them. You, like I got a lot of experience. I was there for a couple of years and I reckon I got way more experience than the years that I was there for because there was trauma cases. There was just like, you know, you just have to handle it because I was about four and a half hours inland from Brisbane. So it was, it was a small town and that's what made me laugh when I was thinking of you being like, oh my God, I'm crying. I'm going to New York, I'm so scared. And there was me dreaming of New York ending up in a town of 3,000 people where they did an article about me when I moved to town. I was the new dentist in town. Like it was honestly, it was like Sweet Home Alabama, but Australian accents. Um, and it was a fantastic experience. <laughs> I hit a kangaroo at my car. I went out with a farmer for a while. I used to go to the local rugby games, which were 40 minutes drive away. That's what local was <laughs> in Chinchilla. 
Um, I moved in with my boss and his wife when I arrived. <laughs> they became my Aussie mum and dad, eventually found somewhere else to live. Uh, but it was, it was great. And I made some great friends. There was, you know, a kind of, there was a girl who was the journalist in the local paper who was there for the same reason that I was. She had a great job, great experience. And, you know, it set both of us up actually for, for life. Uh, so after a couple of years of that, you know, it was, it was a great working environment really supportive my boss was fantastic my skills really just ramped way up it was a baptism of fire um and then i, I came home and i just thought i'd look at the job market here uh because there, there had been nothing when i left and i got a job as google's dentist <laughs> so google had never had a dentist before i didn't know that google could have a dentist so because of the experience I'd had, I was so able to work by myself. I was able, you know, I didn't need someone, even though I was only a few years out of college, I didn't need someone to kind of help me as much because I'd, I'd really done that learning curve. So I was there in Google in their wellness center, which was a fantastic experience. And I loved my Googler patients. They were just great. But it was very much like, okay, let's do an exam, scale and polish. Oh, wow, we've got a filling today. How exciting. So the, the hours were great. You know, it was like people were like, how could you leave that job? Like, it was ideal. But I started to get bored. Um, you know, I kind of was racking my brains. What else can I do? like I didn't love dentistry it was fine um I think the the biggest issue for me was people don't want to see you now I know that sounds really silly in that like you should have known that but like my aunt had always been my dentist I had never had an issue going to the dentist I didn't really know people hated the dentist that much especially if you were a nice dentist like and you weren't trying to be mean to people or whatever and of course um, I love my dentist back in Cork it's Dr James yeah. Wall he's a little man on Barrack Street and he is always like oh thank you for your patience I hope I'm being gentle enough I can't even feel him in my mouth I know it's like and that's the thing whereas like I remember in Chinchilla there was a guy who'd been squashed into my day with a toothache like squeezed in there was no room for him and I came in to like help this guy with his toothache. And he said, you should be working for the CIA extracting information. I was like, hi, nice to meet you too. You want me to help you? Um, so I think even, even in Chinchilla, it was like, okay, if you don't want to be here, maybe you could just go. Like I can't, I can't deal with this 15 times a day. Um, and there are lovely patients and there are people who are genuinely nervous and that wasn't the issue. But I think it was like, over time I didn't love what I was doing I mean it was it was fine I didn't hate it looking into me, people's mouths is not as bad as people go on about certainly after taking care of the rest of the body in New Zealand but you know it was it was more the, like the energy in the room I was drained after every day and I you know I was kind of sitting there thinking I can't do this for the next 40 years I don't know what I can do but I can't do this um, and I would, you know, I, I would see enough people in dentistry that do genuinely love what they do. So that makes up for, for any downsides. Uh, so yeah, I started throwing paint at the wall. Uh, I enrolled in a yoga teacher training course. I enrolled in a six and a half month diploma in hair and makeup. 
I went on my very first Botox course and my dad actually came along. I have very, very supportive parents. That is um, Like I can imagine your dad <laughs> and all like, I'm being very sexist here, but I can imagine it was a lot of women maybe there and your dad popping along, you know, <laughs> sidekick. I know. Well, actually, it was it was at that that you know, my like my dad deals with needles. That's that's part of his job. Uh, so I was like, oh god, he's going to be brilliant at this, and I won't have a clue. But sure, let's let's give it a go. And it was, I mean, the, there were so many Botox and filler courses and whatever else. And I I teach that now. And like the one I went to was not great. It was a one day course where you were supposed to know how to Botox the whole face, do lip fillers and nasolabial folds and marionette lines. Like, and, you know, you did the business bit on your lunch break. So it's a bit ridiculous <laughs> for a course to set you up to do everything. Uh, but I got an idea that like, no, okay, I actually, I could do this. Like, I don't know enough about it, but I like using my hands. This is quite artistic. Uh, so yeah, so while I was doing all of these courses and <laughs> figuring out my life, I started training then further in, in Botox. I did kind of training certificates, diplomas. I ended up doing a master's and I think it was, it was actually my certificate, the first kind of proper training course I did that usually like, I don't know about you, but like my job is very practical so I don't sit and listen in meetings very often I don't unless I'm going to lectures I, like I don't sit in those things so I tend to need a lot of coffee if I go on a training course because I'm getting very 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 sleepy <laughs> um, and uh, the certificate I didn't need any coffee <laughs> like it was like oh my god this is fascinating and I had like I had great teachers it was very small class it was like I, I don't need any caffeine or sugar or anything I just want to absorb everything these people can can teach me and we got to work on patients it was it was amazing um, and then I got to my diploma and you know like I would show up to these things and I'd be younger than other people my diploma was the plastic two plastic surgeons an eye surgeon an emergency medicine doctor and me with my dental degree and a certain makeup. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, I'm a little bit underqualified. But it was, it was when I was doing my diploma that I actually, I found that there was, there was a relationship between the kind of artistic side of makeup. And, you know, when I was about 14, that's what I wanted to be. I was like, mom, I'm going to be a makeup artist. And my parents were like, no, you're absolutely not. No offense <laughs> well, to makeup artists, but no, they were like way yeah. on the academic track. <laughs> um so yeah so I was there and I remember at one stage the the tutor who was this really experienced guy uh talking about using filler and the light and the shadows and like how you make a nose look slimmer or how you make a face look slimmer even though you're adding volume and it was all about the light hitting the cheekbone and then there being a bit of a you know a shadow below the cheekbone I was like you mean like contouring like you know, the contouring that we all, that we all know. There's so many videos of, and he was like, yes, exactly. And everyone else in the class just turned and looked at me like, what is this girl on about? And I was like, hmm, cool. Did not see myself knowing something that you guys didn't know. 
<laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, no, so it was, it was, that was, that was kind of, that was one of those moments where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm on the right track. Much and all as a lot of the time it feels like wading through mud. That it's kind of just one of those things along the way where it's like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're going in the right direction. It was almost like that penny drop or that light bulb moment, it sounds like for you, where you were like, wait a sec, all of those certificates, as random as they might have been at the time, are actually all coming together now and serving me for this next step in my career. Completely. And that's, that's what I always think of like when, because I would have people in the same industry or dentists or whoever trying to get into the industry asking me like, what's the best way to do it? And when I say, when I tell my story, it's like, I did this and this and this, it looks like, oh, cool. So you trained in like all the muscles with yoga and you did this with your makeup. It was not planned. <laughs> like It was just, what do I like? Let's keep doing that. And surely I will find something that I could potentially do for at least the next 10 years. Because dentistry for me really, like, I, I just was like, I can't, I cannot do this. So yeah, it's, it sounds really it looks really good in those rose tinted glasses, but no, at the I, time it was like, I don't know where I'm going. No, completely fair. I, I couldn't be a dentist because I love talking to people and I love them talking back to me. And when someone has their mouth wide open with about four metal things in it, they can't have the chats. So, I mean, that'd be my worst job. Well, it's funny actually, because about, I think it's between 90 and 95% of dentists are introverts. So okay. I think there's that like, it kind of, uh, it draws you to the, to the, the job. And I didn't mind that people, you know, I mean, it's, it's lovely chatting to people, but I'm actually on the, I've done lots of Myers-Briggs tests and, you know, all those personality ones. I'm about 80, 85% introvert. Oh, wow. Uh, I know. And I remember doing it at a practice management uh, seminar in Australia with the whole practice, which was, which was pretty big. I remember the whole table looked at me and they were like, uh, you're an introvert since when I was like well you try moving to the outback all on your own and let's see how long your introvert skills last like you can develop the other skills but yeah it's, it's a funny one it, dentists are typically introverts and communication can be a big issue and that's actually where a lot of the litigation arises in dentistry it's not necessarily the dentist doing something wrong but the patient and the dentist having a different idea about what is the right thing. So yeah, it's, it's, we need more extroverts in dentistry, I think. Wow, no, that is, that's really interesting actually. And with the Myers-Briggs, I'm more of a, I'm an extroverted introvert, I think, in the sense that I love people and I give so much energy, but then I also need some alone time to recharge for yes. the people again. Completely, yeah, that's, it's so important. And, you know, depending on what your job is, it, it can be hard sometimes to, to take that. So I think uh, definitely something that can help anyone is more self-awareness or more, you know, analysis of what they like and, and what they don't. And, and I did, that was, I think that was the dilemma for me. I loved clinical work. I loved working with people. I just didn't like dentistry. <laughs> Now that's brilliant. And I'm so happy you did discover that, Jen, because it allowed me to be so well educated. If anyone knows me, my two things I'm most passionate about in life are, are skincare and healthy food and your lifestyle. 
And since I was a kid, I was born with terrible eczema, you know, allergic to eggs, strawberries, you know, proper just problem child. I think I came out of the womb covered in uh, wet bandages uh, with you know, that awful thick emulsion oh. cream. Yeah. Oh God, you poor thing. I know yeah. it's, it's actually a far more common story than people realize, but oh, it's awful. Yeah. My poor mom, most of my baby pictures, I have like um, socks on my hands because I got too clever with mittens and bit them off. So yeah. Oh my God. You were definitely an extrovert. It was like, I mean, need to use my mouth. I need to talk. I need, I need to express myself. <laughs> exactly. So then growing up, my mom took me to so many places to get like skin assessments. And from that, I just had a love of skincare. And I saw how by caring for, you know, the largest organ in your body and really putting the money into it. And even just like the products at a young age, especially don't have to be too expensive, but they have to be right for you and ensuring you get the right education and the right advice from people. So my great friend put me in the direction of you. I think it must've been about a year or two ago to your Instagram page. And Jen, the amount of advice you've offered and education around skincare is just out of this world to the point where I am constantly sharing your stories and sharing your your feed um, pictures as well with the advice you offer. So I suppose my next question to you is, what first step did you take to opening and starting your business, The Glow Clinic? Okay. Well, that actually, it's funny because when you're saying how you had eczema, I had acne when I was younger. I actually, I had to get laser on my legs when I was about 16 because I had ingrown infected hairs all over them. And I've no, I've no sisters and my mother has perfect skin. She puts Saint-Tropez on her face every three days and she has a blackhead to her name. So I even remember when I started getting spots, like, I mean, I tan quite well. So some of the concealers were just like pink and I'd be putting those, you know, those rimmel sticks like on my spots. My mum would be like, what are you up to? I'm like, it's a spot. She's like, I was like, what did you do? She's like, well, I didn't really get them. I was like, oh, fantastic. You're no use to me. So I think I, I also had this obsession with skin um, and that, that kind of pushed me in that direction. So when I was, I was working, I was actually working out of a number of different places. So I suppose it was kind of, it was a few years ago, I was starting to do injectables and some peels and stuff on the side because I, I did have training in kind of skincare and stuff like that. Uh, and I was working, I mean, the, the upside to being self-employed um, as a dentist is, you know, you can do two days a week in one practice, you can do a day somewhere else. You're, you're quite flexible with your time that way because you just have your clinical session and that's, that's it. So after I finished in Google, I was doing my master's in London. I was working in a clinic doing some cosmetic dentistry because I'd, I'd done some orthodontic training in, in Australia as well. Love, love a good course, me. <laughs> Anything I Academics can do. Academics for life. <laughs> <laughs> Academics for life. I know I'm currently doing a fellowship, but we just don't even need to get into that. <laughs> But forever a nerd. Like, I, it's not a joke. I hashtag it sometimes, but like forever a nerd. I was actually known as library girl in college at one stage because I just love, love studying, love color-coded notes, love like colored highlighters. I'm a really cool person. Oh, just stationary shopping in the <laughs> September when you started school was like the highlight of my year. Oh, like 
love it. To, and, I, and I get to buy more stationery because I'm still studying. <laughs> Look at me. Um, but yeah, so I think I was, I was working between a number of different clinics. I was doing cosmetic orthodontics, lots of veneers and things like that, which actually was really good training for the mouth area and lips. And like the orthodontics was brilliant for that because it was about the profile of the face, the jaws, how everything relates in together. And I, yeah, I was, so I was, I was really stretched. I was working about 40 hours a week by the time it got to Thursday evening and then driving to Cork to work in Cork every second week while I did a master's that was based in London. And I actually, at one point I crashed my car. I reversed into the wall because I didn't look. I was just, I, you know, I was burning the candle like the whole way through, not even just at both ends. And that really, that was a wake up call. I was really, it was a really, well, relatively inexpensive wake up call. It was a bit of damage to my car, but nobody was hurt. There was no major problems. I realized that I needed to change a few things. And it actually hadn't really occurred to me to open my own clinic because I, I thought like, oh, that would be a really big expense. Like, how do you even go about that? The only thing I'd been exposed to was dental practices. And I, I knew I sure as hell didn't want to open one of those. Uh, so I started looking around uh, at, you know, could I do a day? Because I decided I was going to cut back on my dental work. This isn't what I wanted to do anyway. And I was going to try and shift more to the aesthetic and cosmetic work so that, you know, I, I could get a better balance for myself. So I started looking at like, can you rent a room by the day? And different things like that and I, I looked at a few places and then actually by the time I added up renting like two three four days a month or whatever it was there was actually places that were that were not kind of not that much more for a full-time clinic so I found a really nice property in Marion Square got very lucky with that and uh just started started working there when I wasn't in uh, when I wasn't in all the other clinics that I was working in, <laughs> and I specifically it, like it really just kind of evolved. I was doing that, and I was seeing people there where they couldn't get an appointment with me because I was so kind of tightly packed in all the other clinics. And I I remember someone on Instagram actually sending me a message because I was. I had the Revitalash, uh, the lash growing serum. And I had, I think I'd put it on Instagram with my lovely long lashes that I was delighted with. And I had like some of my mum's friends were, wanted to buy it from me. And I, I just say to them, oh, you know, just do a bank transfer. Here's the details. I'll post it out to you or whatever. And then, you know, like a random girl who followed me on Instagram was like, can I get the Revitalash? And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you can just do a bank transfer. And then I was like, hang on a sec, that sounds really dodgy. Like, you totally can't do that with someone that you don't know. Like, if, if you want to sell it to someone, you're going to have to set something up properly. So I think I spent about three hours before clinic one morning making a PayPal button on my website because my website has recently been done up uh, by a proper actual web designer. But it started as a blog when I was in Australia, just kind of putting 
healthy recipes. Uh, like I make my own deodorant, uh, different posts about, about different things. And it kind of transformed into like it really did just evolve and grow into this website that then you could book and like there was PayPal buttons and you could buy stuff. And now there's actually a whole shop, believe it or not. But yeah, like I remember just going through these like WordPress tutorials, like this is how you do this. And like you copy this bit of code. I hadn't a notion what I was up to, but got the PayPal button done. The person paid through the PayPal button and I sent out their Revitalash serum to them. So I think it, it, it really did just evolve. Um, it, was, it was not planned out. There was absolutely no business plan. I'm really only getting my accounts in order now <laughs> for the last few years. I have paid tax and all of that, but it's like, it has been a mess. Uh, you know, I, I think my, my bookkeeper does not know what to do with me. And I've, I've kind of rejigged a lot of things trying to change it around. But yeah, it was, it was all kind of in retrospect, like tidying up the business. I was really just led by like, okay, well, this is working. So let's keep doing that. And then people would look for, for something more. Jen, so that's a common theme. Like everyone I've spoken to so far says launch and adapt. Because as you said, like anyone looking at your website, it's flawless to me. I would never think that, you know, not too long ago, you were up in early in the morning watching YouTube tutorials on how to add a PayPal button. So it just goes to show that, you know, it's, it's incredible what you can do with not much knowledge. It is actually amazing. And that's, that's always been the way that I've done things, like for better or for worse. I just kind of go, yeah, cool. And then I figure it out later. Like even Chinchilla in Australia, like, I mean, why would you choose to go to the middle of nowhere? by yourself in a country where you like I mean it was it was bizarre but it was like okay that's a great job cool going for it and then like oh okay so here's me joining the local boot camp at six in the morning with all the mothers in their 40s because I don't know anyone and there's 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 not that much to do aside from go to the club hotel after bingo on a Friday and have some drinks that's epic that's so good and you're so right Jen I really want to get to the point because I am obsessed with skin and you have helped me so much with Illumiae MD. And I know it's so funny actually when I had ordered the Illumiae from your website and I was all excited and it arrived and I got the DPD and my boyfriend made a really, I suppose it's a really adorable joke, but he said, what did you get in the post or whatever? I was like, oh, I got new skincare. My skin's going to be amazing. He's like, oh yeah, Usain Bolt can run four seconds faster. No one cares. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Jess, your skin's already great. Like, why doesn't he do better? And I was like, <laughs> part of me was like, shut up. I'm really excited. But then I was like, oh, that was actually really cute. Thanks. Thanks. I'll take that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, Illumiae is incredible. And um, I haven't gotten any procedures that are treatments or anything like that, injectables. But I definitely want to in the future because one thing your Instagram and your stories have shown me is that it's not this big thing that back in Hollywood 10 years ago, you get cat eyes or fish lips. It's actually stunning when done correctly. And it can be very helpful and beneficial to even, you know, almost preventing what could be worse. And I read this great quote that was saying, 
I think it was Dr. Dennis Gross, another skincare expert, said getting Botox is like if you crinkle an A4 sheet of paper a little bit and then smooth it out gradually, it's better than having a ball of paper and trying to flatten it perfectly in 20 years time. So if you could kind of take us through Botox and break that stigma to anyone listening, please. Oh, I would love to do that because it's actually, it's one of my favorite kind of elements to discuss is like the whole stigma, like the whole social side of and kind of what people's opinions are of this fascinates me because I, th- I think people's reactions, you know, I would go to networking lunches and it's amazing the, like the amount of people that go, oh, you do Botox, you put that kind of stuff into people's faces. And I'm like, well, you, like you do know it's used to treat facial pain. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, like it, it's a muscle relaxant. It was used as a medical drug long before it was used to, to make people look better or whatever. But also if it's not in your face, like why do you care that much? So I think like that, that fascinates me. I think it's, re- it's a really interesting dynamic, even like the one, you know, when I was saying a guy comes into me with a toothache and he's telling me I should be working for the CIA extracting information. I'm like, whoa, like, can we just unpick that? Like, that's, that's a pretty serious way to have like your mind set up. Uh, and I think, I think with the, the kind of aesthetic medicine industry that is emerging, like it's, it's on a learning curve. It's a new ish industry, but there was some terrible work done 10, 20 years ago like a lot of things i mean you know they would they had kind of uh you know they used to do bloodletting to cure you of diseases and really they were killing their patients by getting rid of all their blood like people get things wrong now i don't think plastic surgery and, and injectables ever went to that level but it's certainly people have learned and that that is the difference i've seen actually as i've kind of progressed through my career and the different training i've done and and different things is people's understanding of it up at that top level has completely changed how I now look at a face compared to that first like one day course I did where it was like oh you just stick a needle in there there's you know there's a line stick it in there and 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 hope for the best essentially was was what I was taught now it's like okay look at how the face is aging how can we prevent that so you look at exactly what's causing a problem and looking at how you can do that but Botox is fantastic as a preventative. It is a muscle relaxant. So people freak out about it. You know, does it go to my brain? Like, is it going to alter my muscles forever? Actually, when it comes to prescription drugs, Botox is one of the safest ones around in a sense that there are billions of injections worldwide every year. And there aren't many you know, major issues with reactions to it as a prescription drug. That's, that's pretty impressive. It is also used in very high doses medically. Like I've spoken to neurologists who would use 10, 12 times the dose that I would use in a, in a heavy face, like every three months on kids, people with back spasm, calf muscle spasm, facial pain, different things like that so it is actually much safer than than some of the things like jesus that that charcoal toothpaste for whitening teeth do not touch it it's terrible for your teeth 
people are like it's natural it's natural but like natural isn't always safe we haven't always tested natural so what i like the way that i tend to explain botox to people because often you know people come in and they're like what's that thing that botox i've heard it can make me look better but like what am i doing am i am i putting myself in danger am i just being super vain and i think irish people you know we hate to be vain like it's like oh my god am i up myself now if i want to go get get some injections or or whatever else um, like you i know like you wouldn't walk around with a haircut you hated like you'd be like i'll just go fix it um but botox botox is a muscle relaxant so just like you were saying uh dr dennis gross who's who's super was uh, talking about the piece of paper it's like if you frown at a screen or just while you're talking all day long you are creasing that skin and as you age from the most recent one I read was 21 you start losing collagen but some other reports say 25 so I'm going to go with 25 just to make us all feel a bit better <laughs> uh, but as as you lose the collagen in your tissues your, your your skin just can't actually repair itself as well. So it's it's not just the part where you're frowning and you have a habit of frowning. I mean, you can see five-year-olds with really expressive faces and they do not have lines and wrinkles because they've all the collagen and all the healthy skin that, that anyone could want. But over time, if you do that, uh, particularly if there's sun exposure, smoking, anything else that's going to reduce collagen, even stress, you will get those lines forming. And fixing those lines just like smoothing out the ball of paper that's completely crumpled up is much more difficult i see the people in their 50s and 60s where the lines have been there for a long time and i don't know that stopping the muscles that are causing those lines is going to be enough to get rid of the line and then you're kind of looking to pull more tools out and obviously gets a bit more expensive for people a bit more invasive results aren't as predictable but botox like a lot of people see it as this magic line eraser it's not it's a muscle relaxant so if you have an issue with a muscle which is you know a habit of frowning very expressive eyebrows like i often do if i don't have any active botox clenching your teeth while you're asleep where the muscle is just activating or even um like one that is is a particular favorite of mine is the at the side of the mouth there are little muscles that pull it downwards so that's the kind of the classic resting bitch face <laughs> um, but those muscles will get stronger with age and they pull down the sides of the mouth so relaxing those muscles and allowing the upward pulling muscles to become what you'd call relatively stronger because you've you know, it's like having a tug of war and you make one really weak. The other side can, can kind of win, win the war. You can affect how the face looks. I mean, somebody's going to look a lot more upset or unapproachable or grumpy if their mouth, the sides of their mouth are going downwards. Whereas if you can get it up to level or even kind of more happy, it, it impacts uh, how people feel about themselves. It also massively impacts how other people treat them. Um, and that's something that I've seen. I had a patient uh, before who had a, a soft tissue disorder, a kind of connective tissue disorder. And it, a part of the effect of that was that the, her mouth just became tighter and tighter. So she looked quite grumpy 
as the disease progressed, her mouth was almost pursed together. And I remember one practice I was working in, there being this big issue with the front desk, uh, with the reception, because she'd inquired, like, was she going to be waiting much longer? And she didn't look like a friendly person or a nice person, you know? And it's, it's kind of like how we all react to people. Like, I think, you know, the receptionist had felt like, geez, like you really don't need to be this angry. You haven't been waiting that long. I'm so sorry you're waiting. Um, but like, there's no need to be so snappy about it. And whereas she actually, she was not being snappy. She just looked like she was a grumpy person. And that really made me think, like, how do people perceive her all day long? I mean, you know, if someone smiles at you, if they're, you know, you're, you're in the supermarket and you're checking your stuff out, you're going to smile back. If someone gives you a face, you're like, oh, what? What do I do in response to that? This, this is not nice. So I, I, I also saw it with somebody where they did a deep line between their brows and they actually came in about the lines going across their forehead. And when I'm, when I'm assessing someone's face, I'll always look at like what's going to look best. You know, people come in because they're fixated with this line, this feature, whatever, whatever it is. But like realistically, you want to look better when you leave. You don't want to look done. Yes, it's nice if we could fix the line, but you just want to look better. That's, that's, that's why you get your hair done. It's why you do a lot of things. And she was concerned about the lines across the forehead. And I was talking to her about the muscle balance and, you know, the line between the brows and how that can, you know, make people look a bit unapproachable. And I had actually thought she was mad with me because I'd had her waiting a few minutes before her appointment. And I was like, oh, geez, you know, she's, she's not going to be happy with me. And she was actually lovely. And when I said that to her, she was like, you know, that's funny. People always tell me they thought I was awful odd and that I'm lovely, really. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. And that Cork accent, oh my yes, God. she was from Cork. It makes me feel like I'm at home. Oh, that was so nice. <laughs> but that, like, that for me, it was like, this is my job. Like I analyze people's faces and analyze their muscles and how that makes them appear. And I fell for it. Like I was like, oh, geez, she's going to be really ratty with me now because I've kept her waiting. And she wasn't at all. So like how that impacts how you're treated like all day long by people is huge. Yeah, that's massive. You wouldn't even think of that. As you said, people hear Botox and think, you know, the forehead, uh, maybe under the eyes, um, you know, as you said, maybe around the mouth, but you'd never think of your actual face all day long. That's such a valid point. Yeah, well, uh, some of the kind of the leading uh, trainers in the aesthetics industry, they're now talking about like the emotional message of the face. That it's not really about the lines. Like, okay, I, I don't want any lines. Like, you know, we'll, we'll leave the lines alone if, 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 uh, if we can just get away without them. But it's also about, like, does someone appear happy, sad, tired, angry? And, like, looking tired, looking angry, looking unapproachable, particularly if that affects your job. There are things people don't want. You know, it's, it's like the amount of patients I've had where they come to me and they're like, people tell me to lighten up. They tell me to smile. Like, would they F off? Like, I'm actually totally fine. But that, like, what the face that we show to the world is often so different to, to what's going on inside. And I, I do think that 
particularly facial injectables have such a good place in just helping balance that inside with the outside that like actually yeah this is how I feel not the way that I I looked but now now this is this is actually who I am that's a great point I loved the video you did it recently on your Instagram I think you stated your highlights as well so I'll link it below for people to check out but you so graciously went through everything you've done to your face and even the neck and even the tip of the nose and how putting Botox into those areas can transform and it was so eye-opening to me you know, you discussing this and realizing, wait a sec, yeah, putting some Botox into the tip of your nose can change the appearance of your nose without having to get even a a more, I suppose, rigorous procedure. It's it's amazing what you can do. And it actually, like, Botox acts on the muscles, which there are certain things that, like, my nostrils can flare quite a bit when I'm talking. Now, obviously, after all these bloody Instagram videos and I did Facebook videos for other practices and like loads of stuff, I really do not need to look at my own face <laughs> anymore at all. Uh, but <laughs> the, you notice different things. So like a lip curling up or a nostril flaring can, make, can give an expression to the face that the person isn't necessarily trying to convey. And it's not about getting rid of all movement. But it's about kind of going, mm, do you know, that's not really who I am. That's not actually what I feel I look like or what, what I'm trying to, to get across. And a lot of muscles get stronger as we get older. We lose volume in the face and the muscles can actually become a little bit hyperactive. So I, I saw a photo once that was, it was really good. It was like, you know, and now this sounds awful. I'm going to sound really weird, but... You know, like an old man in a country pub who gives you this big kind of almost creepy smile because it's, but it's actually part of that can be that it's hyper contracted. It's like all the muscles are working a little bit too much and people tend to notice extremes. So if someone can't move their face at all, yes, we'll all maybe notice that. That's not a good look. And there are plenty of examples of that in the media and different places. But if something is hyper contracted, it can also be an issue. I had a patient before who, you know, her brother, I think, said to her, I think she did she have like a twitchy eyebrow or there was something. I can't remember exactly what it was. But her brother was like, geez, did you get Botox or something? And she was like, no, this is me without Botox. So people can have imbalances and it actually, it can be, Botox can be used quite effectively uh, with people who have facial paralysis, like Bell's palsy or different things like that, because part of the problem is when they smile, one side moves and the other side doesn't. And the side that moves can, can not be so great because it's, it almost looks like it's hyper contracting compared to the other side. So you can actually relax things so it just looks a little bit smoother and more uniform because we pick up on things that are, that are out of whack or out of balance. Even if this is not your job and you're not artistically minded and you don't look at people's faces, we'll often pick up on it unconsciously, just like the patient with the line between the brows or we pick up on it. We just don't know it. You know, we, we change our behavior based on how people behave to us and how they react so a lot of it is unconscious and it's just identifying what's kind of causing the the thing 
Absolutely. And you definitely explaining that there, Jen, was so beneficial because I think people will listen and realize it's not just for, you know, I want to get rid of my wrinkles. It's so much more than that. And as we spoke just before we started recording, people get extensions if they want longer hair. They get their eye, eyebrows microbladed. They get laser on their legs or laser on other parts of their body, nail extensions. The list goes on. But why wouldn't you invest in your appearance in other ways like injectables if it were to give you more confidence? And I hope people listening today kind of helps them break the stigma and they say, wait a sec, it actually should be more mainstream. And if I want to go and get this procedure done and then go get my nails done and then go get everything else done, why not? Well, I think, I think that's a really good point. And I, I, one thing I hate is people not exploring an option for them. It was the same in dentistry. They'd be like, okay, I'm just doing this. I'm not doing braces. I'm not doing this. And I'm like, have you looked at that? Have you looked at what that will actually involve? And Botox is not for everyone. 100% it is not for everyone. I would never push it on someone. I, what I really hate to see is I hate to see people waste their money and put effort into things that are not going to give them the results that they wanted. I had someone before who she'd loads of like very fine lines across her forehead, very expressive forehead on questioning her. Her mother was the same. Her aunt was the same. This is how their face was going to age. And often looking at your parents or your kind of aunts and uncles is going to give you a good idea of where your head is. (laughs) I'm lucky. My mom looks great. Uh, But she was kind of saying, look, I've spent, she spent 250 euro on this cream and she spent money on this cream. I was like, look, she was like, I just want to know what cream is going to fix this. I was like, none of them. Botox will fix it. If it's not for you, please go buy yourself like a serious kick-ass pair of shoes or a really nice dress or go on a holiday. Do not waste your money on a cream if you think it's going to make your lines go away. Now, you know, there are excellent uh, skincare options out there, especially prescription strength that will improve your skin texture, pigmentation. And if your skin is in good health, if, if you've good skin quality, everything looks better. You know, like we've all been woken up hungover and dehydrated and been like, oh my gosh, who is that in the mirror? And we know how that makes things look worse. (laughs) And, you know, good skincare and taking care of yourself and being healthy will all help, but they will not fix something that is caused by a muscle wrinkling skin that is losing collagen. And if that's not for you, that is totally okay. But I, it almost, it makes me cry inside when they're like, yeah, well, this influencer said that it was really good and it took away all her lines. And then I hear that they've met the influencer in the waiting room of some Botox clinic. And like, it's just not, it's not fair. And that's, I think that's, that's actually the main reason I'm so open about anything that I do to my own face. And I don't use filters or I don't, you know, if I got caught photoshopping myself, I think I'd be finished really as it. As, as an injector but you know I mean my poor boyfriend is like please stop telling me you've Botox please stop telling everyone you've Botox and I'm like yeah but it's in my nose too you know but I think it's important because I think there's such a lack of honesty I mean the amount of photos like people will send me photos and I'm like that's photoshopped like that's not even Botox and fillers and whatever else like that is not 
what a person looks like. Like skin, no matter how good it is, has pores. And there is texture. And it really, I, I think there's just, there's so much more honesty needed in the industry. You know, if somebody does something and they don't kind of promote products and they don't do anything like that, you know, keep it to yourself. It's, it's your own business. And, you know, I, I don't tend to share an awful lot of before and afters because I don't really like asking people, can I share them? Because really this is their personal thing. You know, lots of people come into me, they take off their makeup. They may have acne. They're kind of standing there quite bare. And that's like, that's a very vulnerable position to be in. The last thing I need to do is be like, so do you mind if I just stick this up on Instagram? Like, would you sign this thing so I can do that? I also think that like before and after for one person is going to be different for before and after for another person. Just like, you know, cause sometimes people are like, well, how much is that? Like, what, what do I need to do to get the result that this person got? I'm like, well, it kind of depends on you. Like, just like, you can kind of say it's not fair my friend eats cakes and sweets and chocolate and she's size eight like I eat really healthily and I'm size 12 and it's like well that's just who you are I'm <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that but like doing the same thing as someone else is not necessarily going to give you the same results uh so I think me being honest at least and saying this is what I do you know my patients I, I kind of feel quite protective over them unless they're very happy or, you know, in, in academic, academic settings, I'll, I'll ask sometimes if I have a good case for, for teaching, but that's a very controlled environment. So I think, yeah, a bit, a bit more honesty would be great from people who, you know, like, I mean, Kendall Jenner is a classic one. Like, she, Proactive did not get rid of that girl's acne. I'd say a combination of three dermatologists, lasers, peels, the whole shebang did. Completely. And breaking that stigma, we can only start it by being more honest online and sharing. Even I suppose people like to me all the time say, what skincare do you use? I'm like, do you know what? That is very helpful. But I also eat plant-based. I drink so much water. I get sleep. I don't drink alcohol. You know, I don't, I've never smoked in my life. There's all of those other attributes. And also my mother has great skin. So as you said, you can't just replicate someone's story because it will never be yours but definitely having the extra factor of having that good skincare and having those procedures done can't but help if you really want them and 100% get them because at the end of the day if impairment if if lockdown has taught us anything you know if you want something go get it like if that will empower you do it because it's so important to be happy at the end of the day Completely. And I think, I think lockdown for a lot of us has given us the space to follow our own path a little bit because there's a lot of the noise has disappeared. It's been very silent, actually, that we've all been locked up at home. But it's, it's given us a little bit more independence that way, I think, to kind of think independently. And, and like, I don't know about you, but I've definitely stepped back and really reassessed how I do things what kind of quality of life I want or what work-life balance I want. And I think a lot of people are reevaluating like what's really that important to them. 100%, I agree. And even going through your Instagram and cleansing who you follow and who you don't follow, because what you consume mentally, physically, emotionally every day 
changes who you are. And I can't stress it enough, Jen, as I said it before, watching your stories on Instagram, educating myself on skincare, and even following more people who provide that education and not just a swipe up link to a loungewear set is so important. And I hope people come out of this, you know, not just the whole I'm, I got a speeding ticket. I won't speed for two weeks, but then I'll speed again. More like, okay, those three or four months were challenging, but benefited me on the longer term. And now I'm a better person and I'm going to follow those goals or wait a sec, you know what? I'm going to save up. I'm going to treat myself to that facial or start getting those procedures that will make me happy and stop caring what others think. I know. And I think, you know, I mean, lockdown has been, has been long. It's been very painful for some people. And there are certainly, you know, uh, like friends of mine who are frontline workers who did not get any space. (laughs) Their wedding got canceled and they've both been working nonstop. And like, they have not gotten this, this kind of little bit of a break, but you know, there's, there's a lot of people have suffered, people have died. But I do think it has been sustained enough to actually change us all in how we do things. And the amount of people that have said to me, oh, I'm, I'm not going back to the way it was. Like right now, obviously, everyone wants a little bit more freedom and to be able to hug your extended family and friends. But a lot of people are changing how they do things and they're, they're changing what's important to them and I would actually see I would see that a lot of people you know I've I've some patients where they don't really have a budget but most people have a budget but everybody has some kind of a budget it's actually how you allocate it like what is important to you and I think you know our time budget or financial budget we're all rejigging what's important and even like specific to say some of the products I stock, I've seen people where they're like, okay, like, you know, the, this is, this is expensive, but like, it saves me doing a full face of makeup every morning. And like, I don't like doing that. That's a pain in the ass. I get an extra 10 minutes in bed and this improves my life quality or whatever it is. So I think it's, it's really about choosing what's important for you. And I, th- I think you're right. I think that, that starts with education because there is so much misinformation and marketing out there that it, it does make it really difficult for people. I mean, I, I find I have to navigate certain things and like I've studied this stuff for years. If, like if you didn't, God help you, you know? I mean, I can see why people get completely confused. They don't know how to use this or they're using the wrong product for their skin, but like their friend said it was great. So like, it should be great. Absolutely. And even in your Q and A's, um, Jen, that you do often on Instagram, I find them so beneficial because I think somebody one day put in about this new mask that every single influencer was promoting. And you said, wow, it's gotten so trendy. It must be fantastic. You know, they're not getting paid affiliate links to promote this one mask. And I was like, oh my God, like, why didn't my common sense totally see through that? I didn't buy it, thank God. But like the old Jess, because I'd invested in a Lumiere, I wanted to have just that as my skin products because I wanted to see the change. So had I not invested that money, I probably would have swiped up and bought that mask. But that would have been the wrong thing. And so many people are doing that. I know. And it, it, like, you know, I, I fall for marketing too. It's not like I'm immune to it. 
But the cynic in me, if something, if there's a product everywhere, no matter what it is, I'm like, uh uh-uh, like red flag. (laughs) Who is spending all their marketing budget instead of spending it on the thing, they're spending it on the marketing. Um, But like it is, and women, uh, there was some, there was a post, I think I shared it actually, but it was like, you know, one of those memes that I saw on Instagram and it was fantastic. It was like, there was a girl in the supermarket picking a shampoo and it was like, this shampoo is for a shit, broken, like dried out, disgusting, terrible hair. And the girl's like, yeah, that's the one for me. And it's like, we pick our products like based on how much they insult us. <laughs> Whereas oh, true. Like, men are like, yeah, cool, Grant, I'll get this gel. Like, well, a lot of men. I am, I am generalizing. I have male patients as well. And they're not all gay. Like some people assume that they are. They're all, like lots of them are, are perfectly straight and they have a wife who also comes for their Botox. <laughs> but, the, you know, I think as females in particular, like we're targeted and pregnancy is another absolute minefield. You know, people are just like, oh my God, I must be a bad mom if I don't buy this product for this or for my stretch marks or for like whatever it is. And it's, it's horrendous because I think it really plays on the person's insecurities. So rather than just letting them kind of work out, okay, this actually kind of bothers me. What would work to fix this rather than it being this emotional, like, oh my God, I'm a terrible person or I've terrible hair. I have to get this thing. No, absolutely. And I love there that you touched on men because when I started going out with my boyfriend, um, I'd often you know, be doing my face in the morning or in the nighttime as in my skincare routine. And he'd often joke that I just like slide into bed, just covered in all this like oil and cream, like not very attractive. <laughs> but I just sometimes like have extra on my hands or just start like popping it on his face. Oh yeah, here's just a bit of eye cream, you know, just, oh yeah. And uh, I'd say he, he loves it. Like I think men do, like they love being pampered. But to a female out there who might want to, maybe add a moisturizer, add a serum or something, an exfoliator even to their boyfriend or husband's routine. What kind of advice maybe would you have there? With men generally, well, number one, they have more collagen. They don't lose it till later. (laughs) It's a mad world, isn't it? For men generally, it's about keeping it simple. So a lot of men their lower face because they shave is actually in great condition because it's exfoliated all the time. Um, eyes are where men tend to age a little bit quicker. The only kind of thing we win on is the forehead and around the eyes because the male face typically is kind of slightly more narrow in the cheekbone area. They get those lines coming down from the eyes a little bit earlier. So an eye cream for a guy can be a tough one if they use soap in the shower and that's about it. I would say simple for a guy. So cleanser, um, the apple cider vinegar toner that I make, uh, there's a recipe that goes up in my stories every, every day or so, I think. Uh, that can be a good one. And then a good sunscreen. And often the sunscreens, you know, like a lot of us girls love kind of a glowy one that looks great under our makeup. Highlighter is not so great on a guy. <laughs> so uh, a matte sunscreen can be a better option, uh, like a hydrating matte sunscreen. One of, one of the more popular ones for guys is the Clear Shield from Obagi because it, it's great for oily skin. It's great for like people who love, say, Estee Lauder double wear that sits on their face and stays put kind of controls oil clear shields from Illumiate is great for that and guys kind of like it because 
they often don't put lots of stuff on their face. Like they're like, ugh, what is, what, what is this stuff? Like it's really, aside from my boyfriend who likes to rob my obagi and pretend that he uses it on his balls. But the... <laughs> Oh, I love that. No, seriously, the amount of jokes I get with my razors, where they go, honestly, I feel you. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not funny, Kev. But, uh, <laughs> the, definitely the more matte sunscreen works for the guys because they, they don't want to put lots of products. Like it feels weird to them to be putting like really thick creams on their face a lot of the time. So the Clear Shield is a great one. I think most guys, I would have them on like a, a wash, face wash, because uh, they don't tend to want to use like cotton pads and cleansers and, and all of that. Also, they, they generally have like thicker, slightly oilier skin than a female. So a wash, uh, the apple cider vinegar toner or that bright and clear from Illumier is a great exfoliator if they are having issues with ingrown hairs keels also does some super shaving uh, kind of products for men for kind of sensitive skin and stuff like that and then i i have found that the clear shield sunscreen is just my biggest seller for men because there's no shine in it there's no tint in it and most guys don't want to tint uh that that tends to be a good one and guys are a disaster for wearing sunscreen often i felt like i find they're worse than girls like girls will intentionally go out in oil to get a tan but like guys will just go out you know in their ga jersey and go red and they'll have a red face as well and they're all laughing about their red faces totally generalizing here to the male population in ireland i am generalizing but we all know it's true no, completely, completely and that's such great advice because i think men sometimes are often too or like they don't even know where to go to ask these questions because they see it as so maybe feminine in that sense. Again, generalizing, not all men are like that, but it can be quite difficult to break down that barrier. So Jen, I mean, you've gone through Botox. Honestly, I could talk to you for four or five more hours just on Botox, but what other treatments do you offer? I know you mentioned before this Philo treatment or something oh, for hydration. Profilo. Yes. That one, exactly. Profilo. That is, that is like after Botox, that is one of my favorites. I, I have that one myself as well. And that is one that people, people love it because it's not Botox. It's not filler. It's not going to change how your face looks. Cause I always say there's kind of, there's three levels of injectables. There's Botox, which will work on muscles. Uh, and you can occasionally use it on skin, but really like we know it as this will relax muscles. So this will change how the muscles work. Filler can change volume and kind of structure. So if somebody has a little dip in their nose, you can fill it in. You can make cheekbones. You know, there's some very bad cheekbones out there, but you can make cheekbones look nicer. You can uh, support the base of the nose, make it look slimmer, fill in different areas of volume. And then Profilo or other kind of skin boosters, there's a few different ones, but Profilo is probably my favorite and the one I use the most. That's working on the skin. So it's not changing the volume. It's not changing the shape of anything. It is just the skin. So what it does is it's, it's hyaluronic acid, which we all know from all the marketing and everything. It is, it is a great molecule. And filler is also hyaluronic acid, but the filler is cross-linked so that it'll stay there for a while anywhere from kind of three to 18 or 24 months. Profilo is 
is not cross-linked. So you have all the molecules of hyaluronic acid, there's low and, and, and high molecular weight ones, but you inject it into the dermis. So it provides this massive hydration hit without the possibility of congested pores or anything else, but it also uh, stimulates collagen and elastin formation. So it's called bioremodeling. It's like remodeling of the skin within within the skin so you don't need a laser you don't need to break it down you don't need to cause any kind of trauma you have a few points that you inject it and it just gets to work kind of all by itself it is it is a big it's a yeah it's a, it's a big one people go crazy for it and it's it's very subtle so if somebody's used to their botox or their whatever else they're kind of like oh I, I don't know that i see that much of a difference but everyone keeps telling me that i look great and that i'm glowing or whatever else uh it's a it's a big one with brides it's like i kind of call it like an injectable highlighter like if you oh, just want it. to like yeah just the glow and just radiate that that lift from within thing that we're always chasing with our highlighters and and whatnot it also is fantastic for laxity in the skin so like that kind of turkey neck or the you know the like the necks often give people away later on even if they've taken care of their face or just that older skin where there's just those finer lines and the skin is just looser because that's what skin does as we get older. Our face, the structure underneath shrinks and the skin gets more lax. So together we get sagginess. Now, one dose of Profilo is not going to give you a neck lift and a chin lift, but it improves the quality of the skin. It thickens up the skin and it's quite amazing what you can do with a few repeated treatments because it's like a fitness you know everything gets lazy as we all know like our, our metabolism slows down our skin cell production everything everything slows down uh and profilo can it kind of re reset that and just give it a good boost but it's also people love that it's like well it's it's just boosting my collagen and elastin i'm not really injecting anything there's actually not even local anesthetic in it. It's it's a very natural product in that sense. Now it's kind of stingy because there's no there's no anesthetic in it, but it's okay. I I have it done every every four months, so it can't be that bad because I'm a complete wuss. And the it's 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 really really popular that way simply because people are like, oh, it's not going to change me. It just makes me glow. Just helps with my skin texture. And it's, it's really good for the neck. As I said, the neck can be a tricky one. That is one where you really want the wide brimmed hat rather than the peaked hat on the beach because your neck and your décolletage are actually finer, well, particularly your décolletage is finer than the skin on your face. It doesn't have the capacity to regenerate as much as the face does. Even some of the kind of more invasive lasers and peels you can't do on the neck because it won't be able to repair itself the way the face actually has, a, has an amazing capacity to repair itself. So Profilo is great for the neck because we kind of run out of options there and the skin can be quite sun damaged way before people start noticing it. Someone will notice the lines around their eyes like a lot quicker than they'll notice lines on their chest because... So you just shove a bit of fake tan on and a necklace and you kind of hardly see it. Yeah, that's great. I always bring down my moisturizer. I'm a stickler for that because 
I have quite dry skin and if I feel any bit of tightness and not a good tightness, I can't sleep. As I said, I like to almost slip and slide into bed covered. Um, so that's definitely, thank you. That's reassuring that I'm not just wasting product. I'm definitely putting it in the right places. Oh no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I think there was some, I can't remember who said it, but it was like hairline to nipple is where you're supposed to put all your all your products now I don't think I go that far but uh definitely like people forget about their neck they flake fake tan onto it they get breakouts it gets the sun on it it gets the hot hot shower on it so it it, it's great to have a treatment that you can actually do on that that actually does something because filler and you know there's there's not we're, we're quite restricted in what we can do later on and that's how I always look at it when people are like looking at different treatments and they're they're kind of like, well, what, what do I do about this? Is it time to do something about this yet? Particularly say the under eye area, because that is a big concern for a lot of people, but they're like, mm, it's not that bad yet though. So I'll just hold off. And the under eye area is the thinnest part of the skin and the whole body. So you're going to see the aging there a lot quicker than you see it in other places, particularly if you're someone who's prone to aging there. And that's where it kind of comes back to the genetics of like, well, is, does your mum have like really bad bags and lines under her eyes or like we all, we don't, none of us get away with it. We all have a thing. Like some people get gels, some people get like really bad eye lines. I know this all sounds so uplifting. <laughs> but I see the people who age, like I can see the same types of aging. Like there are different people and this is how this person's going to age. This is how this person's going to age based mainly on the structure of their face. And I see those people in their fifties and sixties when you're kind of almost tearing your hair out, trying to improve the under eye area because it's such a delicate area. It's prone to swelling. There's so many things that can be an issue that it's definitely a good idea to have a look at what the options are when something is starting to bother you, it doesn't mean you have to do anything then. And often, you know, a retinol eye cream can be a great option or just a decent eye cream even. But it's, I always, I always feel like you should know, like you should choose with some sort of awareness rather than kind of going, oh, those aren't for me. I'm going to stick my head in the sand and then start crying when I'm 59. <laughs> like can't do anything about it. You know, some people, like a lot of treatments are not for everyone, like at all. And I would never, like, I hate that kind of thing of like, get two years of Botox and get the third free. Like that is prescription medication. Like it doesn't go on sale. It's insane. You know, it's kind of like Prada and Chanel and stuff. Like most of that stuff never goes on sale, unfortunately. Exactly. <laughs> the premium quality doesn't go on sale because people will pay the price for premium quality. And I totally get that. And you shouldn't let the fear of someone else's opinion stop you from improving an area or even just saying, look, it's already, it's, it's good, but you know what? I want to have maintenance so that when I do get to 50, I, I look like Jane Fonda because I mean, she's goals for me. I know she married a plastic surgeon. Maybe I should too. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. And like, that's the thing. Like it's, because I think there's a, there's a fine line between like opening up the industry and, and losing the stigma so that people who actually would benefit and would like to have procedures can do it. 
but also that we remember that like these are medical products like you are actually not allowed advertise botox it's a prescription drug there are clinics who have it up outside on the street and by two areas get the third free that's actually illegal because it's a prescription medication someone who can't write a prescription should not be involved in in kind of administering it but the you know people often kind of go oh you know i just want something that has no risks i want to fix this and it's like well when you get into like the medical aesthetic industry okay they're they're low risks this is not like having a triple bypass under a general anesthetic these are generally their healthy patients i mean i have i have patients who aren't i have lots of patients who aren't 100% healthy and people who have maybe long term disease but some of these treatments are relatively low risk and they improve their quality of life but it is there are still things like there there are complication rates for everything you know it it doesn't actually mean that someone has done something wrong or that you shouldn't have had the treatment things can go wrong and, and that's where it's kind of like okay it's not just like getting your nails done but also like if you go to get your nails done you want someone who's properly qualified who's not going to damage your nails not going to give you an infection um, you know, you get your eyebrows tattooed. You don't want someone who's doing it too deep and causing a problem where they're going to go blue or whatever further down the line. You want someone who knows what they're doing and isn't, you know, is going to be the lowest risk person because there there can be massive complications with laser filler in particular is is a higher risk procedure, which I find it quite entertaining how people will like get their lips and their nails done. Uh, but they're they're afraid of Botox. Oh, I've seen some lips that look like steps. Oh, I don't understand. They hurt. They hurt my eyes. Now you know there is there is the idea like we are all in charge of our own faces. We are all entitled to look the way that we want to look. And some people love nails that are three inches long. Personally, I don't understand it. It's just not my taste. But like. I mean, we all decorate our houses differently. We wear different clothes. There are things that people wear which look lovely on them, but I wouldn't dream of wearing them because they'd look awful on me. So there is an individual thing. And that's something that is a very interesting conversation to have with a patient because I certainly don't want a whole load of people with giant, weird-looking lips going around telling everyone that I did them for them. That is, that is not my patient demographic in general. <laughs> Um, and I, I do, there are patients that I, like, we have a thing and they're like, Ooh, could we go a little bit bigger? And I'm like, you really don't need to go a little bit bigger, but we can compromise and we can define the border of your lips really nicely. And, you know, we can do this, but let's keep you looking like a normal person. So there is that kind of autonomy that people have, but at the same time, I think, you know, like the lip fillers really does worry me in that I wonder what some of these people with the really overfilled lips are going to look like in 20 years because there is stretching of tissues and there there is odd things that can happen if you overdo something and you, you put it out of all natural proportion so there there are people where i'm just like do you know if you were happy with your lip fillers the last time maybe go back there because i won't make them happy you know it's it's kind of like your hairdresser like you trust your hairdresser almost with your life as we all know, because we have been missing them for months. <laughs> but it's, it's about kind of 
going somewhere that you're comfortable, that the person is well qualified and can take care of you if there is any kind of a medical emergency. And also finding someone who shares your vision because there are people who they would not think I am good at what I do because we just don't see it the same way. You know, they like they think natural is what a frozen face is. <laughs> like that's that they're they're you know they're like they're natural. I was I was stopped like almost just before I was injecting someone before, and I was kind of saying you know what what kind of a look and it's like oh natural like everyone says they want natural like everyone <laughs> says that, but she was like oh yeah like like I want to look like I paid for it and I was like oh that's not natural like that that that's not what natural is but like in her head that is what looks good and that is how she wants to look and I think people are entitled to look how they want to look once it's not dangerous. <laughs> Like, you know, you see those ones on the, what is it, the Guinness Book of Records, like the giant boobs and the, like, the stuff where you're like, you can't actually walk. Like, this is weird. But I suppose they're entitled to do what they want. Absolutely. As you said, I mean, we're all here doing our own thing, choosing to look the way we want to look. And if you want to have those outrageous to some, normal to other looks, that's your prerogative and respecting that. But also, Jen, when you do a procedure on someone, that's your stamp of your brand. And if you don't want your brand or your aesthetic of your business to have that, I suppose, portrayal to the outside world, then naturally you'd be more hesitant to do that. And then, as you said, there's a time and place for those procedures and with other clinics, and that's no problem. But you are responsible for your business and what it says about you. And the fact that you're so scientific, like even when you said the cross links, I was like, that just instills so much more trust because like, as you said, you're not having a, you know, a mimicky gimmicky sign outside your clinic. You want to hear these, the science behind it because you know that there's been years of practice and hard work gone into that maybe one injection on someone's face. Because as you said, it's not the one injection, it's the 10,000 hours before that injection that makes it good completely um and you know that's me forever inert can't can't help but like just like wander into science because i find it fascinating even though i'm pretty sure like most people do not uh, but it's you know i think i think a lot of like the facial injectables it's kind of like you know when you go to get your makeup done and they seem to be putting 17 layers of eyeshadow on you and like all these other things and you're like oh my god what am i going to look like at the end and like the no makeup makeup or the natural look or the, the one that makes it look like you don't have layers of makeup on. That's the really good makeup artist in my mind. Now, you know, people, some people want the big, heavy, smoky eyes. They want the really strong contour. That's just a different, it's a different way of doing it. But making it where people don't know is often a lot harder than doing the obvious. Doing the obvious can be a lot more straightforward. <laughs> As a, as a clinician, it can, it can be quite easy to, even with teeth, like with veneers, it's very easy to make them square and piano keys. Like there's not a whole lot of design or ad adaptation to that person. <laughs> with those, you just have to make sure they fit together and they can eat. But with, it's, it's the same then with injectables. You want to make sure you're fitting with that person and that it, it kind of just streamlines them rather than changes them. Uh, and I think you're right with that, like the 10,000 hours or the whatever else, because I saw I saw somebody before they were saying, you know, oh, like, you know, why is this Botox more expensive than that person's Botox? Where 
whatever else. Now there, there are different brands. It's not just Botox. Botox is only one of the brands, but it's like, I think somebody was saying their, their patient was complaining. It's like, well, you were, oh, I was only in there for 15 minutes. Like what, like, why am I paying you so much money? And it's like, you're paying me because I learned how to do it that quickly, like, and give you a good result. And certainly with, with the whole COVID thing, um, shorter appointments are now far, far safer. So a lot of, a lot of, you know, the consultation and the, you know, discussing all these things can be moved online so that people aren't in, in face-to-face contact. So all those expert injectors who are, have patients complaining about it being so quick are, are actually laughing now. Uh, cause I, I take ages cause I'm always chatting to people forever. Like I just don't shut up. I'm just a bit oh, like now maybe. <laughs> no, Jen, I literally, I literally just caught it side of the time there. We've been talking for an hour and a half and I feel oh, like what? it's been 10 minutes. I feel like it's been 10 minutes. And part of me is like, I should have just like had one episode all about her life and then the other episode all about Botox. Cause I have so many more questions. So I'll, I'll definitely have to have you back on again, if that's okay at some stage or even, oh you know come to your clinic and even do like a live like a socially distance live of where you even show the practice like even some of the treatments needles like break you know even the whole scariness of even going in you know and showing people what actually happens I know because it's not like it's not this mystical science or kind of like you know magic hocus hocus pocus it's it's very logical and straightforward it just just takes a bit of practice to to be able to do it that's all (laughs) So Jen, I always, I have two more questions before we wrap up mm-hmm. and I'll try and make these quick. So sorry, I know I've taken your whole evening. Uh, <laughs> oh God, oh God. No, I'm having a ball. And as I said, I could ask you so many more questions. So selfishly, I won't. Um, <laughs> but one, uh, two more questions before we go. The first question is, if you could tell yourself years ago, back in Chinchilla, that, you know, any advice, it's all going to be okay. Or what advice would you tell your even 18 year old self filling out your CAO form? You know, what would you say to that girl looking back now? I think the biggest revelation kind of that I've, that I've had in how life works and like kind of motivation for myself to keep going is that it, it often, and like I have found almost always doesn't feel the way that it looks um and what what i mean by that is like i mean i was listening to your podcast and you you listen to loads of podcasts and you read loads of books i think i've read every autobiographer or autobiography of every entrepreneur out there and one that really struck me was you know uh you know richard branson's losing my virginity he talks about some magazine he had originally and you know they were they were down to their last pound or whatever. And this person, I can't even remember exactly what it was, but it was like they bought a subscription or they bought whatever and they kind of dug them out of a hole. And I remember reading that when I was a teenager, being like, wow, that's so interesting. Like what a fascinating person. That's so exciting. And then a couple of years ago, I was on the way to work somewhere that I didn't particularly love working at 10 past seven in the morning. I was good few thousand in debt. I was on the phone to my dad kind of crying because I didn't know how I was going to pay my tax bill and he was saying you know you actually like you're on the way you're 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 doing what you're supposed to do and this was also around the time that people were like oh you do Botox and fillers oh my god you must be loaded I was like this so does not feel the way it fucking looks on the outside that like 
it made me think of that story at Richard Branson where it's like, you know, he's writing retrospectively this autobiography of, oh, well, we were down to the last pound and we were nearly out of business. And I'm like, that must have been horrendous. Like, that was not fun. But it sounds amazing now that he's a multimillionaire and like, hopefully I'm on the same traje- trajectory as he is. But like, it, at the time, it, it does not feel like that. It often just feels like nausea because you don't know what you're doing you don't like it's it's not as stable as it looks in retrospect so I think I think it would have been to myself it's like it doesn't always feel the way you think it's going to feel or the way that it looks when you see somebody else doing it and that you just have to kind of fight through that nausea and you know feel the fear and do it anyway because often the outside and the inside don't match up no, completely. And I mean, when people, when I lived in New York and Boston, there were often nights, Jen, where I was bawling crying because I didn't know what I was doing with my life. Again, from the outside on Instagram, it looked sure. I was at a rooftop party the day before. I was on holidays the week before that in Las Vegas, like living my best life. But as you said, people have these uh, preconceived misconceptions maybe, or they see a picture on Instagram. That's a highlight. It's not the whole story. So I think that was a motivation for me to have this podcast to share the struggle. Because, you know, your shiny Glow Clinic website, it's incredible. But that took time and sweat and tears to build. Oh, it did. Like it, it took late nights, 6 a.m. flights to the UK. Like it took blood, sweat and tears. There's no doubt about it. And like I have been in places financially that I never would have seen when I first came out of college and I was earning decent money in the middle of nowhere with nowhere to spend it in Australia. But like, I never would have seen myself being like, oh my God, can I afford my rent this month? And going through that, I think helps you grow definitely. But actually connecting that to like what successful people have talked about when they talk about their failures or their their kind of close encounters, they sound really exciting and kind of adventurous. Like, it doesn't mean it feels like that. And I think that's a really important one, that even when you're doing whatever, everyone knows what you're doing, it, it feels different. And there's, there's that disconnect just, and I think it's worse nowadays. Like you were saying, you know, the Instagram highlight is not often what the person feels like at all. And we're, we all, you know, we all put our best foot forward. We all put our, our highlight reel up and you never see the behind the scenes. So this is a fantastic podcast that way because it really is a platform for people to like let go and, and let it all out and show you that it, it's not so glamorous back here either. We just have a bit of Botox. That's all. I look less tired oh. now. <laughs> exactly. I don't have puppy eyes from crying because they're filled. <laughs> exactly. I just sorted it all out. I don't have to sleep actually. I can still look useful. <laughs> Oh, Jen, this has been incredible. And as I said, I could have talked to you for another five hours. Like, honestly, (laughs) Um, part part of me is sad that people like don't like to listen to more than like to two hour or four hours. On that note, Jen, where can everyone find you? Okay, so Instagram is generally where where I hang out. Uh, I'm usually easily contactable on the Q and A's on my stories. Uh, my own Instagram is the daily glow. It's at the daily glow with a little underscore at the end. The daily glow doesn't exist, but I've no idea why I can't get it as a name. And then my clinic one is the glow clinic IE. 
So that's kind of more clinical things. There might be a few before and afters, patient reviews, but it's not always run by me and it's not necessarily me. The Daily Glow is more where, where I hang out. And then the, the website is theglowclinic.ie. Um, there's Facebook pages and stuff, but I think I think Instagram is really where most people tend to hang out these days. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh no, I agree. I'm obsessed with your Instagram and I honestly, people need to go look at it. And it does even, like if you haven't gotten enough from this podcast, honestly, Jen gives so much advice on her Instagram and definitely even drop her, uh, I've sent, oh my God, I've sent Jen, but video messages of me yapping into the phone. I've sent voice notes like the poor woman. And now she has to listen to me here again today. So <laughs> no rest for the wicked. Jen, this has been incredible. Honestly, thank you so much for sharing with us and sharing your story. Um, yeah. I can't thank you enough. Um, I better let you go now and go to bed because I'm sure you're up early again. <laughs> but thank you so much. It was so lovely, Jess. Thank you for having me on. And fair play with the podcast. I must say I love it. It's one of my new favorites I've subscribed. And I don't, I don't subscribe to many because they clog off my phone and I, I don't like that. I'm a bit OCD about that. Uh, so fair play to you. Thank you for having me on. And I hopefully will be back again. Oh, 100% again, as I said. Like, now wasn't that worth listening to I adored this episode I learned so much and most importantly I laughed and I just was so uplifted and motivated as well Jen explains that not everything is day one there has been so much work and academia gone into Jen's profession and she definitely wouldn't be as successful today had she not had a few twists and turns along the way. You can find Jen at theglowclinic.ie and also on Instagram on The Daily Glow. I will also post the details below because I know you'll definitely want to message her and learn more about how Jen has been so successful. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please like and rate the podcast and also subscribe so it's downloaded straight into your inbox every Monday morning. But thank you so much again for listening and hope you have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.